0: Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast, where we hope to better equip you to be salt and light to your community. My name is Zach, and I am your host. And today I am sitting here with my friend Jason Kemp. He's a pastor at New Hope Church. And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Jason?
1: Well, like Zach said, my name's Jason. I'm a pastor at New Hope. That was... (laughs) a very detailed answer. I thought we were talking about something else. I didn't know I was going to talk about myself. So
0: No, you're good. I mean like but if we just bring you in and pretend that you know what you're talking about and
1: Right. <laughs> we got to have a little bit more than that, right? There you go. All right. Well, I've been uh, I've been around here at New Hope for almost 8 years this fall, and I grew up in New Mexico and served in a number of churches all across the West and now in the Midwest in Indiana and been here at New Hope loving every minute of it so far. So
0: there you go. Awesome. Is that good enough? That's great. Is that what you're looking for? Yep, that is plenty. Um, So today we're going to be talking about worship. We've been talking about churchy words. Um, We even got into prayer last time. And today we're doing worship. So before we really get into anything, I want you guys, whoever may be listening to this, to kind of Think what that means to you. That's that's an interesting mm-hmm. word. What what does worship mean? And, uh, yeah, so so this is going to be a little bit um, less of a scholarly approach. Randy's always bringing the awesome, like, Greek roots and everything to us, and, and I definitely don't know all that off the top of my head, and I don't think you probably do either. I and I've,
1: <laughs> I've got a couple years of Greek, but uh, nothing like what right. Randy has right. done. So, yeah. Thanks for saying this is not scholarly. I appreciate the, hey, the disclaimer. No, no,
0: hey, yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. We're just <laughs> uh, we're just gonna talk this out and just kind of talk through what the Bible says worship is and how we can apply that to our lives, how we should be applying that to our mm-hmm. lives, and
1: uh, yeah, so yeah, because I mean, if there's ever a churchy word, worship is one that we don't think about as being a churchy word. It's because you really don't use it outside of the church ever. I mean, right? And it's, it's kind definitely of definitely like, a religious
0: unspoken that we all just are on the same page with worship, and I really don't think we are. Like, I think we all think that we all see it as the same thing, and it, it. I think we all, in our own mind, have our own version of what worship looks like, and that's just what it is to each individual. But if we know anything, we know that Scripture generally has a pretty staunch opinion on <laughs> this is what this means. This is what this means. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be going back to scripture and finding exactly what scripture says about all aspects of biblical living. So, yeah. Um, So just to kind of, I don't know, spark this conversation, the very first verse that I saw when I was looking through just, you know, verses about worship, um, it was, give me one second here um Matthew 15:8 through 9. And uh, let me just pull that up really quick. Matthew 15:8 through 9. It says these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And so, you know, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees, I'm assuming here is that's that's probably what's happening. I I probably should just have the context right off the bat, but I don't. Um <laughs> <laughs> but how how often do we look like that? How often does just showing up to Sunday service suffice for us? How, how often do we just say like, "Oh, well, you know, I did it." <laughs> yeah, I, I worshipped this week. You know, right?
1: And I think I mean, even just the broader biblical context of that in Matthew is, yeah, it's the Pharisees that in Jesus's time, but there are other people that he encounters along the way who are there for the. Uh, the popularity of Jesus, the miracles, they're there for the wonders. They they just want to ride the boat of popularity and, you know, whether they're Pharisees or not. And Jesus is saying, I'm, it's, there's more to this than, than just checking off that box. Right. And saying, I'm, I'm a part of the movement. I'm there, you know? And so, um, you know, how, how many times do we just come to church on Sunday or we go to worship. We've made worship into an event or a destination or um, something that we can, we can check off and say, Hey, I'm good. And, and, and we've, we've, you know, we can sit in a room at any point and sing worship songs. We can pray, we can listen to biblical teaching. But when we leave that room, if worship doesn't continue in our hearts from that moment, was it ever really worship?
0: Right. Right. Um, I, it, I actually think back to when I hired on for my position here at the church. Uh, I talked to you on the phone. You were the guy who called me, and you asked me, what does worship mean to you? And that just, like, hit me right off the bat, and I was like, whoa, like, that was an unexpected question, you know? And so I have answered that before, but I'm curious, what, what is your answer to that?
1: What worship means to me? No, what What is worship? What is okay. worship? Okay, um, yeah, I, I think probably my favorite, probably my favorite definition of, of what is worship all along. Um, Dr. Bruce Leafblad, he was a professor at uh, Southwestern Seminary, I think, in Dallas, uh, Fort Worth area. Uh, back when I lived in Texas for a little while, and he described worship as being um, the moment where we are giving to God our mind's attention and our heart's affection. That it's not just cognitive and it's not just emotional. Um, I think some of my, you know, traditional upbringing um, pushed the emotion away and leaned into the intellectual side. Um, and then there's certainly faith traditions that lean into the emotional side. And, right and you know they probably get into the intellect as well but there's definitely a heavier emphasis on the other side and so right. um i loved that balance of our our heart's affection and our mind's attention in both ways and so that was that was one of the earliest things that i remember in my ministry just kind of that revelation going you know this is uh this is bigger than what i've always thought worship was um I mean I you know give you to answer your earlier question better um a little bit more about me um I my degree is in biblical studies um I thought I was going to be a youth pastor <laughs> that was what I was headed to do and um I had musical skill but I did not want to be what my picture of of what a music minister is what we you know what my church called them back then um I, I, that was not me I did not want to be that and Somewhere in my senior year of college, I read a book called The Gift of Worship by Weldon Gaddy, and it just blew my mind of what worship truly is. And I'd been through three and a half years of Bible college at that point, and I had not heard this. I had not seen this. I had not grasped this. And so once I started really letting God change my perspective of what worship was in my life and the life of the church, um, it, it really just blew me away. Okay, that's really interesting. Uh, I've heard you talk
0: about some of that before, um, but what? So when you read this book by Welding Gaddy, what is it? Gaddy? Am I getting that yeah, right? Okay, that's it. What? What was it he said that was so changing from what
1: you had originally seen worship as? I think worship was just a a single aspect of what we experienced on Sunday morning it was maybe the music portion and maybe maybe prayer got lumped into that portion but even even preaching and teaching was not necessarily in the category of worship for me when i was growing up um that was that was the intellectual pursuit and um you know that worship probably equated to just praise let's give praise let's give glory and beyond that um worship wasn't an all encompassing Aspect, And so that's what I think I woke up to was that worship really is just the living out of the things of God. Um, if you go back to is it Matthew 22, the Great Commandments, mm-hmm. where um, Jesus says, you know, the first is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is love your neighbor. And so there's even an aspect of worship that's not even vertically uh, oriented to our relationship with God. It's a horizontal relationship with other people too. Right. Um, how we treat others, whether they are um, likable or not, whether they're lovable or not, um, you know, what you do for the least of these, you're also doing for me. That is a part of worship. And so uh, worship is an, an aspect of our everyday daily lives that at any moment we are giving worth to something. We're saying, this is what I'm pursuing in this moment, and we all have things um, that are great pursuits, things that um, are worthy of our time, our families, our jobs, our careers, our relationships, Um, but worship, I think, at, at its root is, what are we ascribing worth to? And so what is that overall pursuit in our lives that we're after? And if it's after greed and money, then everything along the way becomes a stepping stone to that Um, But if our hearts are um, postured toward giving God our worth, uh, you know, ascribing worth to God as our our single value that we are after, then the magic is that the other things in our lives, our careers and our families and our friends and things like that, they don't become stepping stones for us to achieve this um, spiritual nature, but they reap a benefit of worship in our lives, that as we become more like God in all that we do, um, you know, that do everything for the glory of God, that as we do everything, our our careers, our families, our relationships, all of that becomes worship toward God. And our lives are filled with grace and goodness and love and mercy, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Uh, You know, all of those things become the hallmarks of our lives and, our relationships benefit. Everything around us just um, overflows with the character of God, and I think that can't be a bad thing.
0: No, absolutely not. <laughs> that, That's—I um, I kind of—I've always thought it was interesting that God kind of— He made all of creation with a rhyme and a reason to it. He has a particular way things are supposed to be done. And sin brought in the idea uh, that we would follow our own hearts and our own desires rather than God's. But the more I read Scripture, the more I realize that when we, when we do do what God says or when we don't do what God says, it, it's almost less that we're being punished or um, rewarded, but it's more that he's trying to teach us this is the way it's supposed to work, and when you do it this way, things are usually going to work out better. But if you go your own way, bad things are going to happen because your way's wrong. <laughs> you know? Right. And so, like when people read the Old Testament, I think that they easily fall into that category of, "Oh, this is a this is a really upset version of God," you know, and he doesn't really add up to the the New Testament God. But I I don't see it that way. I think it's more God God was teaching. My way brings happiness and goodness and your way doesn't and so yeah worship is leaning into God's way of life um, Randy actually just brought up the quote um, last week on the podcast uh, but it's Romans 12 1. it says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship I mean, that's, that's heavy. Yeah. And, and, you know, Randy was talking about how, you know, a living sacrifice keeps crawling off of the altar, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like I definitely feel that way often. Right. But that, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. It's, it's not just this, we're not, it's not just singing. And I think it's very easy to think it's just singing. Worship Mm -hmm. is just singing on Sunday morning and it's not. Worship is conducted throughout your entire week. Absolutely. Absolutely
1: absolutely yeah i think um it even ties into some of the teachings we've been doing through mark of of just our our desire to save our lives and to hold on to who we are so tightly is what jesus says we we'll lose but if we are that living sacrifice if we are denying ourselves and we're choosing to lose our lives that's how we save it through god's economy and so i it i, I agree with you totally that that sin entered into our lives and created in us this self-gratification process and a lot of times we even view worship that way that we go into a worship setting to receive blessing from God and worship is not about us mm-hmm. worship is about us making an offering I and mean, uh, I think that's actually I think that's actually the uh, the opening line of of that book that we were mentioning a minute ago that that uh, worship is us giving the gift of ourselves back to God in response to who He is, and so worship is not about us. It's not about what we can get out of it, what what uh, blessing we can find through worship, and that probably might be a can of worms and a whole nother podcast, but why we stray away from certain church theologies and songs that are out there of, right. of we're, we're not in this because of us. We're in this because of who God is. And we want to give him the worth. We want to give him the glory. We want to lose our lives so that we might live for him. And in return, he gives us, it's strange how God's economy works. We just don't get it. Um it, it,
0: I have to become less and less and he has to become more and right. more. But by doing yeah. so I benefit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, right. It is right. It's, it's how do you be
1: selfless knowing that there's a return on that? But but then again, God doesn't promise that if we are wholly committed in worship and discipleship, that we get back this glorious life of gain and and abundance. Right. Well, I mean,
0: but, but there's your prosperity gospel.
1: <laughs> right, right. But, you know, John 10, ten I've come that you might have life more abundant. Right. And abundant is not necessarily material blessing or right. even easy life.
0: Well, well, yeah, but life isn't exactly what we think it is at, at a glance. Life is being close to God. Life, life comes from God. Life doesn't right. come from this this world, but we always equate a good life to what we get out of the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's not it. That's not what we're supposed to be after. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah.
1: So going back to the two choices, I mean, if you've got the choice of I can trust in myself and my, you know, I can believe that I have this amazing intellect and intuition about life and, and I think I know how to control who and what I will become and be and whatnot, or I can give my life to the creator of the universe and and I don't care who you know what your theology is on creation or anything like that but if god created the universe and you look at the vastness of life and the vastness of creation whether there's you know global warming or not it it doesn't matter what issue you lay on top of that god's ability to create life that we know today i would much rather put my life in his hands than mine oh yeah because... i cannot i cannot but yet we 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 wrestle that control away from him every day right and we want to neglect the aspect of worship in our lives and yeah, but, yeah
0: well it's sort of like the the two options you know you you said when you worship if you're really doing it with yourself in mind that's not really worship but i think it can be condensed down to um once again the original sin but yeah. the the idea of Are you going to worship God or are you going to worship self? Because that's what it was. It was either he's God or we're gods. Mm -hmm. And every time we pick us, it never seems to quite work out. But yeah, yeah, I I think you're right. Um, Okay. So something something else I wanted to touch on is the idea that all worship is not created equal. I mean, we've already kind of touched on that a little bit, but there's a lot of verses that – talk about the fact that God is not pleased with Israel's worship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, even that one I mentioned earlier, their, their mouths say they're for me, but their hearts are far from me. Um, you, you get into Amos or Amos or however you want to say it. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's chapter 5, 21 through 24. God says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, your harps. Uh, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And I mean, with everything going on right now in the world, too, I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what we do on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter if we sing the right songs. If our hearts aren't for other people— If our hearts aren't for God, we're not worshiping God. If we don't love others and God well, we're not loving him. I once heard, um, I think it was Scott Brown, who is um, the pastor at my parents' church. He was once giving a sermon, and I don't know if he was quoting somebody or if he just said this, but I always liked it, and it always stuck with me. But he said, you know, I'm a parent. I have kids, and the best way someone could love me is to love my kids well. And so I think we kind of have to borrow that page and say I mean that that's what Jesus was saying, you know, love God above all else, but the other one is like it, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Love his kids. Love God's kids because that's loving him too, you know. And so I I don't think we do a great job of that just as people and I mean
1: even as Christians. So I want to come back to your original question about all worship being created equal, but we have, I think we've gotten far off track as American culture, Christianity, Westernized religion, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think this is something that I don't even, I don't even know how to grasp yet that because of our, you know, the American dream is to American individualization of radical, investment in who we are so that we might get to where we want to go and and et cetera. But um, somewhere along the way, I think we have totally lost sight in worship of the community, of what it means to come together as the body of Christ, as relationships, friends and family. And I think there is a communal aspect and a blessing to worship that we don't know how to grasp right now. Right. And I I don't know how to explain it because I don't I, I don't know what that feels like even to an extent or what that looks like. But when we come together as as a body, there's an alignment, there's a, a momentum that's built and but when we're in it for ourselves and um you know, going back to the original scripture you you mentioned we're we're in it for ourselves and God's like, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want it when you're just um you're just showing up to you know Right. to give lip service and and move on with your life. Well, so, well you know,
0: it was also just them them in living in response to God's law. Mm-hmm. They, they turned it into a checklist. Right. And but right. he was saying that their hearts really weren't in it. And I mean, how often is that us?
1: Right. Right. So then back to your original question a minute ago. Okay. <laughs> we're circling, man. Now you're good, man. And we're getting there. Um of all worship being created equal, I I was thinking about, you know, I've I've got a few kids, a handful of kids, just a couple <laughs> But if you've ever worked with kids or you ever were a kid at one point, um, how many times have you heard a kid say, sorry, and it's this begrudging, I'm sorry I got caught, not I'm sorry for what I did. Right. And so parents, teachers, educate, you know, whoever, you know, is, is there will, will always try and correct and, you know, no, say it like you mean it. <laughs> right. Sorry. And it just still comes out fake. <laughs> And so I, I think that's what God is saying is you can, you can bring your sacrifices, you can bring your offerings of praise, and if in your heart you're just not there, He knows. He knows what's on the inside of our hearts. And so, yeah, I think, um, I think on our level we see an equality of worship from different people, but uh, God is looking at the heart going, no, no, they, your heart is far from me. And so your, your worship offering is not acceptable.
0: And that's, I mean, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us: is sanctifying us, making. I mean, we haven't gotten into sanctification yet. There's another churchy word for you, another episode. But He's making us more like Jesus. He's making us more like the heart of God. And that is not a one and done thing. That's a process that takes time, and so we aren't even if right now, even if right now you're not worshiping well (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you can come to that and realize that, I would say you're not in the worst place to be because that's the beginning of that change is realizing I do need to do better. Mm -hmm. I do need, but, but kind of like what you're saying about the, well, I'm sorry, you know, like I think sometimes we turn around and we're like, well, I just can't help it. You know, I just can't, you know, I try. I tried and it just wasn't good enough, I guess. Sorry. You know, and it's like, no, that's not the attitude. We, we've got to keep coming back to God and, and genuinely recognizing that we will never be good enough without him. Mm-hmm. And he is the one making us better. And,
1: uh, yeah, so. But I, Let's take a moment. Let's course correct though. Okay. Not that anything we've said is wrong. Right. But I don't want to set up a, a, um, A false belief that worship in our lives then looks like this monastic culture, where we have to walk through this world in a totally different frame of mind. I mean, we are—it is a different frame of mind, but it's not that we're reciting scripture all day. We're not robots. Yeah, we're not. Right. We're not reciting scripture in the middle of our workplaces. We're not, um, you know, praying out loud on the street corners like the Pharisees. It is a frame of mind, it's a mindset that that pervades everything we do, but it doesn't prevent us from doing the exact same things we've been doing every day. Let's Does not that make get, sense? Right.
0: Let's not tiptoe into a Gnostic mindset in which the flesh is this evil thing and we must escape it to Right. Right. Like right. we're still human. Human is what God created us to be. Right. We're supposed to live. We're supposed to enjoy food. We're supposed to enjoy the beauty of nature. We're supposed to, to enjoy creation. We're supposed to be people, but we're supposed to be people with hearts for God.
1: Right. Right. And that's in the midst of, you know, going to the grocery store in the middle of a COVID culture, figuring out how to, how to buy groceries and do things with masks on and sanitizing carts and blah, blah, blah. In the midst of staying six feet away from people in the checkout lines, how are we still living our lives in such a way that we're giving worth to God and we are displaying him in who we are? That's, 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 that's the mystery and the challenge of worship at the same time is how do we go about normal life without um, neglecting God in the midst of that? And,
0: and I think that's the beauty of Jesus as a representation of what God wants us to be like that jesus was not like you you look at some like kind of culty organizations out there and they do almost become that robotic like like i don't know a lot of eastern um religions will just speak mantras over and over again and they get Mm. in these deep meditative states and stuff And Jesus is out, like, fishing with his homies. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Right. Jesus was a person. Jesus was God in flesh being a person. Mm -hmm. And we aren't, yeah, we're not called to escape that. We are still living that daily life just like he was.
1: But can meditation help you? Absolutely. Absolutely, but not all can, med-
0: but not all meditations created equally. <laughs> you <yeah. know>? like, <laughs> if, you, if you really want to go there, we don't have time for that today. No,
1: but I mean, yeah, all of those aspects that we can take way too far right? to say we're living this life of worship, um, those things can help us live a life of worship as long as we don't focus on the method. We focus on who it is that we are. Because when you focus
0: on the method, you make the method God. Exactly. Instead of using it to glorify God.
1: Right. Right. And Satan is super adept at making anything take the place of God in our lives. Exactly. They, yeah. Yeah.
0: If you haven't read The Screw Tape Letters by C. S. Lewis, if you can uh if you can tiptoe through that dry British um writing, I highly <laughs> recommend it because it's great talking about yeah. kind of what we were just talking about there. Yeah. Um Yeah.
1: So it's easy, I think, for us as well to to get in this mindset that worship occurs within a certain attitude or emotion of who we are um, and i i my favorite book of the bible is psalms by by far it's it's a book of worship it's um, you know every chapter in it is digs into a different aspect of human emotion and attitude and and reality that that often I, I think we, we try and hide because um, we're supposed to be all shiny, happy people on the outside. That might even be a song of some sorts. But um, <laughs> but we try and hide these things. And the Psalms is full of not just happiness and joy, but of sadness and tenderness and anger. You know, I mean, the Bible doesn't say anger is bad. Just do not sin in your anger. Right. Right. And so how do we worship in the midst of feeling angry or, or scared or, you know, any of these emotions. And those are all found throughout Psalm and, and how to live our lives is, is there.
0: Absolutely. I think, I think um, that you were talking earlier about different denominations, even having like more of a focus in one area, whereas like one may be more, more prone to accept concepts like confession or lament, whereas another one would be much more willing to just break out in song and dance, you know? Like, right. And I think we can learn a lot by looking at different denominations because I I feel like they all sort of represent different groups of people who all have sort of a, a disposition to that way of life. And I think somewhere in the middle <laughs> where all those meet, you're going to find – a much more accurate representation of worship than if you just look to any one particular group. I I think I I wrote down a list of just things uh, that that I think could be considered worship. And I mean, feel free to add to this, but I, I wrote down thanksgiving, lament, prayer, confession, to be still and to listen, to be obedient, studying scripture, singing, enjoying life, evangelizing, and then love is probably the greatest one of all those. And, I mean, how many of those things in a just—I mean, we're a non-denominational church. How, how often do we really just dig into lament? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> like, <laughs> do we even know what lament really is? It's sa- I mean, it's sad. It's sadness. Right. It's to be sad before God.
1: And I, I heard somebody say recently that— the purpose of lament in our lives is is to drive us toward prayer and worship, and often in our culture we let our lament drive us toward anger and frustration and bitterness and cynicism. Right, and so I would love I, I would love to explore that further at some point of how do we incorporate lament into our worship so that it draws us closer to God's heart and, and his solutions for what is causing that lament in our lives.
0: Yeah. It it seems like Jesus always, he wants to get to the heart of the problem. Even when he's talking about things like, like, uh, like lust, it, it's not the action of adultery. It's not the action of, of going out and actually committing a physical sin. But Jesus references the heart. He says, if you've done this thing in your heart, you've already done it. And I think worship is in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. We have to address what's going on in my heart. And right now is my heart really for God right now? And, and that's where true worship comes from. The, the Matt Redmond song, uh, the heart of worship. We yeah. were just talking about that recently. I think that's the perfect example of a church trying to get their ducks in a row and they did it really just with kind of the i guess they kind of addressed the singing aspect of it mm-hmm. but we could do that with any aspect of it if we would just set aside the time to really focus on what part of worship is lacking in our lives do you want to do you want to tell that story i don't i've told it a million times well
1: just the <laughs> as i remember it cuz i haven't read the story in a while but as I remember it, the that worship time. See, we just we just called it that worship time, that right, event time. Right. I mean, it's so it's so ingrained. That moment in the Sunday gathering where they were singing and lights and music and smoke and whatever you know whatever they're doing um, in their church became the focus. It became the reason people were coming to be a part of that um, emotional high. And they stripped it away. They said, no, this is not—an emotional high is not what we're looking for. We're looking for closeness to God. We're looking for worship. And so they, they just stripped it away. And I think they even went as far as no instruments at all. It was just Matt and— Acapella. Acapella, yeah. yeah. And then they began to slowly, you know, build things back in later on. But they wanted—they they took it away as a heart check. Right. And I, I that, that was amazing. I could have blown up terribly. It <laughs> yeah. could have just not it could been have. a church I mean, the next week. <laughs> it could have been a story we never heard about. <laughs> exactly.
0: But we're lucky enough that it went well. <laughs>
1: yeah. Their hearts were drawn to God in the exactly. midst of that. And that's huge. That's amazing.
0: So uh, we, we've been going here for a minute. Do you have any kind of final thoughts we haven't touched on? I, I guess one thing I want to add really quick, I wish, I wish we could worship more – Fearlessly as a culture, like even, even just the singing aspect, I wish that we were not so afraid to look stupid worshiping God, because that's really what it boils down to. Right. At least for me.
1: And we're not going as far as like, you know, David danced in his, his undergarments. That's not what we're talking about. No, No,
0: but like, I mean, there's so many people, I mean, I've, I've talked to so many people in my life that, you know, sing very, very quietly and you can't even hear them. And I'm like, why, why do you do that? Like just sing it louder. Oh, well, I'm not a good singer. So I right. like, just well, it's make a joyful you. noise. Yeah. It's not about <laughs> you, you know, like it's about God. And, and if we, if we applied that same concept to every aspect of our life.
1: Well, I mean, from stage, it's easy for us to see the two ends of the spectrum. We see the people who clearly their body language is fully engaged and are, you know, whether they're lip-syncing or singing at the top of their lungs, body language, facial expressions, they are fully engaged in what's going on. And then the other end of the spectrum are the people that, you know, unfortunately there's just people in our churches that look bored. Right. They're just, they're just there. Somebody made them to come, whatever. And and they're just waiting for this moment to be over. Which, God bless them for being there at all. You know? Right. I mean, at least, <laughs> great. at least you're here, you know. <laughs> but... um you know, I, I think uh, I think it's too easy for me, especially, to see those two ends of the spectrum. And, and so I know there's a middle ground, but, um, yeah, just being free to even just let our body language show that we're engaged. We right. don't, you know, not even having to go over the top, you know, which it's not even really over the top because the Bible says to sing <laughs> how many times. I, I forget lot. the number. Yeah, it's one of the most... Uh, prolific commands all throughout Scripture is to sing to the Lord, Psalm 95, Psalm 96, sing a new song. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a huge part of our expression of faith and praise and worship in our lives. Um, but, you know, we're, we're to raise our hands, we're to kneel, you know, postures within worship from kneeling to laying prostrate, you know, face down on the floor, to standing, to offering our hands out, um, you know, palms upraised or hands raised to the air. Um, we... As a culture, we are really free at expressing those emotions and being engaged in other activities, and at church we get reserved for some reason. Which is
0: just so strange, because this is, is like the
1: one place
0: that you would think you could let loose and not feel judged mm-hmm. in that way. Right, right. And then, and, yeah, we well, almost get more rigid but, at times. But
1: then again, I grew up, you know, I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a tradition that was hesitant to trust emotions. Especially when it was around spirituality, and that was never taught explicitly. It was just something that I I, I learned implicitly through my growing up years and just interactions. And so, for me to to clap and worship, or even or even to start picking up a guitar and you know that, that was that was a huge stretch for me. And it, it was weird how that you know developed in my life, but maybe that's what we've learned culturally in our churches is, uh, don't, don't trust that. And we don't want to appear eh, maybe that's getting into our, our individualism as Americans again, that we don't want to appear like those fanatics. We right. don't want to be, we don't want to be too over the top. Cause that might, you know, cause then that we even use spiritual excuses. Well, that might, that might give people a wrong impression about Jesus. And so I don't want to, I don't right. want to be too over the top. Right.
0: Yeah. That's, I think that's uh, dead on. I I don't, I honestly don't know what the answer is, <laughs> but these are definitely things we need to be talking about and we need to be thinking about and we need to be digging into scripture and recognizing where we're falling short and working at it together, together as a community. You mentioned earlier that we had uh, er, um, not making it about the self, but about community as a a time of worship, Mm -hmm. we just turned up the the lights in our sanctuary through our entire sermon and through our worship time, because we're trying to promote more of a sense of community, like, let you see that there are other people in the room. And I just fear sometimes that, like, maybe that almost scares people that now they're going to be more visible worshiping, Right. you know? And that's so sad. Like, I want—I don't want that to be a a factor, you know? Well,
1: so often— we even set up our, our worship services, our gatherings, in, in a theatrical model that we have stage and we have lights directed at the stage. And, and so we, we tend to just uh, imply that the actors in this theatrical model of worship are the people on the stage the pastors the band the who you know when pastor bob comes up and prays i mean any of that that those are the actors and the actors are being prompted in the theater by god he's the director he's the one directing the actions on the stage and the people are the audience and the lights are down low in the audience so that all attention is on the stage but in worship the, we've got those roles are all completely backwards that, yeah that the the audience Is God in worship. It's not the people who have come and sat in the pews. The people in the pews are the actors. And the people on stage, the pastors, the worship leaders, the band and and whatnot, those are the prompters. Mm -hmm. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament of the Levites leading the people of Israel in worship. And so on stage, that is the the model is the Levites are leading the people in the pews in worship. And the audience is God. We have an audience of one on Sundays, not an audience of two hundred, four hundred, twelve hundred, two thousand, thirty thousand. You know, that is not our audience. Is our attendance? Our audience is God, and and so we get those roles mixed around. And so by changing the lights, we're saying the attention is on the actors of the people of God in worship to the audience who is
0: right. God. Well, it's a miscommunication for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've kind of set things up to encourage a that misconception of it's an event and it's something that we go and watch the the people on stage do. Just like we would go watch a production on Broadway. Right.
0: You got a verse pulled
1: up? I yeah, I do. What do you got? I've got a couple things here. Um I I think just my favorite psalm. Okay. And this might be a way to wrap it up, if Let's do you so it. choose. But um, Psalm sixty-three has, for a long time, been my absolute favorite psalm, and I think this encompasses um, just what our prayer, our hope every day should be in terms of our heart's affection and our mind's attention being focused on God. And so um, here's here's Psalm sixty-three. O God, you are my God, and earnestly I search for you. My soul thirsts for you, and my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary, and I've gazed upon your power and glory, for your unfailing love is better than life itself. O how I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer, for you satisfy me more than the richest feast. And I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to your strong right hand holds me securely. We've got singing and prayer and our hands lifted up and are finding our satisfaction, our satisfying element in life is Jesus and we strive after him and we hunger for him in all that we do. And I think, um, that's really just shaped a lot of, of how I approach life. I think of just, I've got, I've got to be hungry for the things of God. I think that's crucial.
0: If you don't have that, you're not Mm going to, you're never going to get it. You're never going to see it. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's great, man. I say, uh, Let's cut it there. We could always come back to this. We could probably talk about this for like four hours. Yeah, because even we and, didn't talk about half of what I wrote down, man. Even
1: <laughs> even toward the end, I kept hearing us say, "We get into the worship time."
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And well, we weren't even catching thing. ourselves say that. It's so ingrained into us, it you is. know. And we got we've got to break out of this this consumer mentality for God and pursue
1: Him. Right.
0: It's not about us.
1: It's not about us. Well, I love that. You and I could sit across a desk with two microphones and gather in worship together. Right. Because this, this is worship.
0: worship. Where two or more gather, yeah. I'm present.
1: Right. And that we got to introduce you to a, a uh, local restaurant today that uh, we sat around talking about the things of God together in a restaurant with a 50s theme, and that was worship.
0: Exactly. And you know what? Anybody listening to this, you can do that too. It doesn't Absolutely. matter who you're with. If you are with brothers and sisters in Christ and you are sitting around talking about Jesus, you're worshiping.
1: You don't even have to th- talk about Jesus. You, exactly. Exactly. Because you you're loving each other. Because yeah. you're loving each other. It's the second
0: commandment. Exactly. It, it goes so deep. Yeah. And, uh yeah. So just keep that in mind. Just, I don't know. Think about this stuff. It's good stuff. Um, we love you. We hope that you guys are blessed by this. And uh, we, we just pray that you will take this out and bless someone else with this information and whatever heart change comes with knowing Jesus. Uh, so until next time, stay salty. That's right. Stay salty.